You're listening to Behind the Wheels with Doug Mason, Dave Walters, and Mike Yeagley. This is a show where we talk about heavy truck and medium-duty axolands. Doug, Dave, and Mike bring close to 100 years of experience and expertise in the transportation business. Join us once a month to learn new things about axolands. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Wheels. I'm Mike Yeagley. And I'm Doug Mason. And today we have as a guest, Seth Clevenger. Uh, he's the managing editor of Features at Transport Topics and the producer of the Road Signs uh, podcast. Seth, we're going to be talking a little bit about electric-powered trucks and automated, uh, autonomous trucks, I should say, uh, and some of the impacts. Uh, but before we get started, why, why don't you sort of introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Well, it's uh, great to be on the podcast. I appreciate the invite and looking forward to the conversation. So I've been at Transport Topics now for about nine years, and all that time has been spent covering the trucking industry. I've always had a you know a particular interest in technology and you know emerging technologies, and especially. Uh, so it's been a really exciting time to be a part of this industry because we see electrification and, and automation on the horizon. And a lot of that's developed just in the, the past several years. Uh, you know, Transport Topics is, uh, you know, we're the, the largest newspaper covering the trucking industry, but you can also find us online at ttnews.com. And uh, for the past uh, two plus years, I've, as you mentioned, also been the host of our uh, Road Science podcast. And of course, you can find that through all the usual channels, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can also find a landing page at, at ttnews.com. And I'll just uh, mention that, uh, you know, I, I have yet to have a boring day uh, of work covering the transportation industry. There's so much happening and a lot of excitement, especially on the, the technology side. I've been in the transportation business for over 30 years and uh, in heavy trucks for about 20 of that almost. And I'll tell you, it, like you said, things are always, always changing. Why don't we just sort of get a lay of the land where we are right now? Because I don't know that everybody is aware of everything that's happening right now in those spaces. When you're talking about electric-powered vehicles and autonomous vehicles, I'm sure you know your listeners might be familiar with everything that's going on, but I don't know that ours are. Why don't you sort of bring us up to speed with what's going on today? Absolutely. I'll you know, just take it from the top. And I'd say over the last handful of years, there's just been an explosion of conversation and development and, and investment in electrification. If you go back you know, five years ago, you know, this it just wasn't there. And so this is something that's still you know, pretty new. You know, it's, it's something that went from seeming very futuristic to now being, you know, right in front of us. And these vehicles are, you know, really at least the prototypes are, are on the road now. And it's not just, you know, a few players. It's really Everyone on the manufacturing side and, and many of the, the tier one suppliers are starting electric truck divisions or, and, and investing in this technology. And, you know, we've seen all the OEMs are investing in electric trucks in, in one shape or form, um, all of them across the board. And you also have industry newcomers like Tesla and Nikola that are developing electric trucks and you know, looking to jump into this emerging market. It's still early. You know, we're, we're still in the well, I'd say the fleet trial, and, you know, the testing and learning phase. You, know, you have some large uh, fleet operations that have had these trucks in their uh, operations and, you know, in small numbers um, for uh, some time now, uh, lots of, of trials and tests. And it's really ramping up toward uh, commercialization and production uh, that all of the OEMs will tell you they, they see coming. You know, so it is real. Uh, it's, it's coming in the years ahead. 
obviously there's going to be you know a, a lot of question marks and a lot of challenges with you know vehicle range and and vehicle weight of course is a, a huge issue with uh, payload capacity you know at least in class 8 and uh, charging infrastructure is another huge uh, question mark but we're in the the earliest stages of this and i think what we're seeing you know, before our very eyes is the uh, the emergence of a new segment of the commercial vehicle market uh, happening uh, right now and now is the beginning uh, we even see you know some early regulations uh, that are going to start pushing the industry at least you know, parts of the industry uh, in that direction just on that note i've seen and maybe you can comment on this as well the regulatory side and the um, i guess the governmental side the what carb is doing in, in california mm -hmm. how they're pushing so strong there and then i just saw recently that there were 15 different states uh, including the district of columbia that signed like a memorandum where they wanted to target zero emission medium and heavy duty vehicles and the percentage is really quite large 30 percent of sales by 2030. do you think that's a reasonable time frame you know that does it feels aggressive you know and there's definitely some some mixed feelings about some of the early regulatory efforts within our industry i, I guess maybe that's even a diplomatic way of saying it but certainly we'll see a push in certain areas uh, california in particular i think is is positioned to be kind of the incubation zone for uh, electrification and some of it's well suited some of the applications are well suited for electrification like port drayage uh, mm -hmm. for example you know relatively short hauls consistent point-to-point -point types of uh, transportation and you know that's going to be important one because vehicle range like i said is going to be you know a, a key issue for electric trucks the day of, of electric trucks handling coast-to-coast -coast, uh, long haul a regular route truckload that'll probably be the last piece of the industry where that will make sense and we'll have a business case uh, but something that's short haul local distribution uh, medium duty certain vocational applications like uh, you know, refuse trucks are a good example uh, but but poor drayage is one where it may make sense uh, also because you know in the beginning any sort of electric truck operation is going to have to rely on its own charging infrastructure so it's going to be kind of back to home at night uh, for recharging uh, before you know, we, we see a, a full-fledged uh, charging network either across the country or even in, in a, on a regional basis one of the things that when you talk about distances you talk about even the weight of batteries alcohol wheels of course makes aluminum wheels and so we're always thinking in terms of light weighting and one of the things that i i think about here is that any light weighting technologies are going to be enabling technologies for electrification the weight of batteries and also the the distance on a charge a quote from Trevor Milton from Nikola saying that every pound is worth 50 cents per load. That's a crazy high number, and maybe that's true for bulk haulers today, but as we move into electrification, I think that's going to be more common. That focus on light weighting seems like, to me, and I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, that that's going to be a big part of all of this. I think that's spot on. I mean, one of the, the key items is, is payload uh, capacity and every you know, amount of weight that you add to a truck or, truck or remove from the, the tractor trailer, you know, creates more capacity and, you know, for, and, and that just goes to the bottom line uh, because unfortunately right now the, the batteries, you know, the battery technology has come a long way, but it's still very expensive and it's still very heavy. They're, they're heavy batteries and they, they really do eat into uh, vehicle weight. So any opportunity to uh, offset that does go a long way toward making the business case make a little bit more sense for a class eight uh, type of application. Uh, so that's certainly something to watch. I know that that's been you know a key focal point for 
vehicle design as the OEMs and suppliers uh, look at ways to, to make this work. So now we're talking about long term. Doug brought up, you know, wh- what's going to happen with, you know, with CARB. Where do you see the industry growing organically without regulation? Can you differentiate that? Can you see? Sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that business cases will make the most sense in short haul. I mean, there, there's, again, kind of just tied to the need for infrastructure in the beginning. Maybe this is tied into a little bit to, to regulations, but there's also a benefit. You know, I can see, you know, cities start to promote electric vehicles. We've seen that in Europe where, you know, city centers have pushed for zero emissions or lower emissions. You know, as you get in toward a city center, more highly populated zones. I'm wondering if we might see that uh, in North America in the future. I mean, right now it's more uh, regional based. The business case, of course, you you no longer need to you know, purchase diesel. I mean, you, you eliminate that cost. One piece of it, though, of course, is, is electricity is not free. So managing your uh, charging cycles and, and when you actually charge the vehicles uh, will be really important to getting that uh, to a, you know, an ROI, to a return on investment. And that means avoiding, you know, peak demand hours for charging. So from a fleet management standpoint, there's a lot there. I mean, there's, there's a lot that you know, needs to be managed to, to make it profitable. And I think that with time, with, with volumes, and also, I think there would be some benefits as well if uh, the electric passenger car market continues to uh, expand. Uh, some of those savings may also appear in commercial trucking, you know, because of just the scale of operations. And it's going to take some time, and uh, it'll make the most sense in those applications that are shorter distance, and especially, I would say, that, uh, you know, lighter freight. So if it's freight that's a little bit uh, where you're, maybe you cube out before you, you weigh out would make the most sense in the short term. Right. And that's actually, you know, most of the freight out there is cubing out before they weigh out. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of opportunity there. We talked a little bit about lightweighting being uh, it's a soft spot in my heart, <laughs> but lightweighting <laughs> as, uh, as an enabling technology. What other critical technologies do you see out there that really are going to make the difference to making electric vehicles our future? Well, I do think that that fleet management uh, side of it uh, can't be overstated, you know. So some of that may be, you know, as simple as telematics and understanding exactly what your charge is like, and and also understanding what uh, demand is like. You know, partnering in some cases with local utilities. You know, a fleet working with a utility company to to find the the, the way to keep. Uh, electricity costs down. You know, that's that's an element, and you know we also see a lot of tier one suppliers that are looking to supply, you know, some of the components. Uh, you know, Cummins, interestingly enough, of course, you, you immediately associate with uh, diesel engines. That you know they have an electrification business. You know, companies like Meritor uh, just kind of go on down the line of all the the tier ones, and you know many of them are investing in in various components that will be needed and kind of the core configuration for especially class eight is electric axles e-axles and that's actually moving to electric motors at the wheel ends so it actually is a very different kind of vehicle right i mean we've kind of redesigned what a truck is here uh you've completely removed the internal combustion engine altogether and now you've added batteries you've added you know these uh wheel end electric motors you also need a a bunch of uh, cooling systems to deal with some of the heat. Uh, so uh, another thing that uh, you know, fleet maintenance directors are, I think, very excited to hear when they talk about electric trucks is you're not just getting rid of the diesel engine, you're also getting rid of all the after-treatment systems that cause so many headaches at times. Uh, so it's really a, a very different uh, 
animal, a very different kind of vehicle that's, you know, we're going to see all kinds of different components. You know, of course, we still have wheels and brakes and the chassis is still you know, mostly we're going to be, at least in the near term, the, the, the chassis will be shared with um, you know, diesel models. You know, over time, as you know, the vehicle's uh, you know, volumes go up, you can see redesigning the chassis to account for the fact that you no longer have a, this big uh, diesel engine. Uh, and, and you can start to think about that. But you know, in the near term, at least, it's going to be buying, you know, do you want your battery electric version of this model or do you want your traditional diesel version of this model is the way that I see that developing, at least from the, you know, the, the established OEMs. You mentioned uh, wheel-end motors, and I know there's been some discussion going on about that back and forth, the benefits or non-benefits of that. From what you've been seeing, have you, have you seen a lot of the development moving towards wheel-end motors? You think about the additional unsprung mass that would be there. Is that a way to offset that? You know, there are different approaches. Um, there are more traditional, you know, electric drive lines that are maybe a little bit more recognizable, more on the medium duty side. But, you know, one thing that I've heard from the, the manufacturers is that they're generally aiming for a diesel-like experience. So, I mean, it's not like... Uh, well, typically with an electric vehicle, you know, passenger car or truck, you know, you can expect, you know, faster acceleration, you know, just because, again, you have access to that. You don't need uh, internal combustion to, to kind of weave through that process. So, you know, the electric vehicle is always the, the first one, you know, off the starting line, right? I mean, if you see a drag race between a, you know, a Tesla car and a, you know, pick your uh, high-end uh, internal combustion sports car, you know, for the first maybe quarter mile, uh, or maybe a little bit less than that, you know, the Tesla is in the lead before it eventually gets uh, gets smoked. But you want to control that, right? I mean, you, you wanted to kind of harness the, you know, what you can do with an electric vehicle and make it applicable to hauling freight. And you know, it's, it's kind of the challenge that, uh, you know, the, the manufacturers have is to, to take this power source and make it familiar. If you're used to driving a, a diesel truck, you get in this vehicle and, and it's recognizable. You know, it's not, you know, completely uh, a different, uh, feels like you're in a spaceship or something like that. So th those are considerations. And I think that uh, for the most part, you know, the strategy is to make it seem familiar to, to drivers. It's interesting that OEMs are moving toward a diesel-like uh, experience. I, I, mean, I remember, and it wasn't that long ago, two, three years ago, every electric vehicle looked like it was out of Star Wars. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, to interject a little bit, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the first one out of the gate, you know, the, the first uh, manufacturer to, to really show, I would say to really, sh you know, spark the conversation uh, was Nikola. You know, again, that's kind of the, a little bit more like the bullet train design. Uh, you know, the Tesla Semi is much the same. You know, it, it, it's very aggressively aerodynamic and, and does look, you know, kind of like, you know, all right, uh, you know, to the point where, um, you know, Tesla even has uh, gone to, you know, a single seat inside, you know, and it's actually center position. So you, it's kind of like a Formula One race car where you're sitting right in the center of, of the cab. And that was a really unique design choice uh, is one of those things where I can see a lot of, you know, traditional truck drivers just get stepping in and say, what is this, you know, and, but yeah, I can also see a lot of people in their twenties, you know, who are maybe considering a job in, in trucking, seeing that and it's like, wow, this is so exciting. I can't wait to drive this. You know, I'll be a truck driver if I can get behind the wheel of this. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, you know, the balance here. I mean, the, the, the startups, the, the newcomers are kind of redesigning the truck more wholesale and the, the more traditional OEMs that we, the nameplates that we see out there today and on diesel models are generally adapting those chassis and those models to a battery electric version. 
Another question to go back to, I mean, we, we're like all about the wheel here, obviously, is, is what we're doing. But the whole wheel end, uh, regenerative braking, obviously there's uh, significant benefits to that. It obviously depends on the size of the vehicle and, and how the, the design's all put together. What do you see that in terms of how it will be implemented and the true benefits it may give relative to, to range improvements? Yeah, certainly part of the, the conversation, you know, especially because range is so important uh, in, in trucking. And, you know, you'll get that more in a uh, kind of a stop-and-go urban distribution. You know, you think of, like, beverage trucks and, you know, vehicles that are you know, more about local distribution. Uh, you can get, you know, more of those benefits. That, I think, will absolutely be a huge part of the consideration. For longer distances, more over the road, I, I think that the, the range issue will be addressed in other ways. For the most part, one of the, the popular approaches from the developers so far has been uh, hydrogen fuel cells. So that's actually one of the... You know, the, the paths that uh, Nikola is pursuing. Uh, some of the uh, more traditional OEMs are also in, investing in fuel cell or partnering on a fuel cell. Kenworth uh, has a, a partnership with uh, Toyota, you know, kind of using the same fuel cell technology they use in, on the passenger car side. You know, again, limited volumes, but you know, there's definitely a lot of exploration as to how uh, hydrogen fuel cell, you know, in conjunction with an electric powertrain can extend the range. And of course, then you also need uh, the hydrogen fueling infrastructure uh, to support right. that as well. So, you know, that, that is a lot of uh, new technology to put together and, and make it all work. But, you know, that, that's probably, you know, one of the leading uh, options to, to try to get zero emissions in long-haul trucking. One of the things that when you start getting into long-haul trucking, especially here in the U.S., that flexibility of design is absolutely mm. critical. And I, I you know, can foresee that that is also going to be a factor in electric vehicles, just like it is with the diesel, the diesel solution we have out there today. You know, looking at the market, I would say that the, the medium-duty segment seems to be a, a little bit better I'm going to say it seems like it might have a little better fruit, that sort of last mile, like you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of UPS trucks out there. <laughs> you know, yes, there's a lot yes, of, right. There's a lot of that going on. When you speak with the OEMs, it seems like they're focusing on one package or a limited number of packages just to get this thing going. And then what is that that you see them sort of leaning toward? Yeah, uh, I do agree with you that, you know, short, shorter distances, more medium duty, final mile makes a, a lot of sense, you know, just given the, you know, advantages and constraints of the technology. And, you know, I do see those markets emerging uh, most uh, rapidly. And you you look at uh, companies like uh, like a UPS, like pretty much any sort of alternative fuel you can imagine, you know, UPS has been and, and will test it, you know, natural gas, propane, auto gas, CNG, LNG, electric, fuel cell, I mean, they're willing to, to try just about anything, but it does seem like there's a, a the best opportunity in the, in the near term is more of the, you know, kind of the return to base, to home base kind of operations, and it'll ramp up more slowly for long haul. And, and I think when you do start to see electric vehicles in regional and, and long haul, they're going to be in operations that are more you know, kind of dedicated to certain lanes, you know, point to point, uh, because you know you have the infrastructure, you know, maybe it's, it's to certain shippers that really want to uh, uh, move toward uh, zero emissions as sort of a corporate sustainability plan or, you know, a, a way to promote the company or you know, meet their own 
uh, targets, and you know you you would see a fleet partner with a, a shipper that has charging available on the other end. But yeah, the days of a regular route, um, you know, owner operator who's going to you know take a load and go who knows where you know the next uh, couple weeks. That flexibility, of course, is going to remain with with diesel for a very long time because the the infrastructure is already built out for that. It's just going to take a long time for charging for you know, not just charging but charging for heavy and medium duty trucks to be available you know nationwide so i definitely think diesel is going to have a you know a huge part of our industry for a very very long time we're just seeing this sort of this new category emerge and we'll see it catch on most quickly in those categories those applications that are best suited to it and, and yeah i think that it starts with local and then you can move into you know, like a port drayage kind of operation and into regional, especially kind of a point-to-point operation. Right. Well, Seth, do you have any final words for our listeners before we sign off? Oh, I'll just uh, mention that there's also, of course, a lot happening in the world of uh, automation, uh, whether it's advanced driver assist systems, uh, autonomous vehicles. Of course, that all you know, eventually goes back to uh, to the wheel as well. The broadest application is uh, driver assist technology that kind of builds on the collision mitigation systems that are already on the market today. And we see some startups and, and OEMs also investing in higher levels of automation. But, you know, one really interesting piece of that conversation that I think tends to get overlooked is that you know braking is is really important to that you know whether it's collision mitigation you know ADAS truck platooning uh, and beyond you know there's a push toward uh, disc brakes you know as an important enabler for higher levels of, of automation in particular but really anything that's going to automatically engage the brakes and uh, you know of course that's uh, that gets pretty close to uh, to your wheelhouse uh, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and we've been looking, we've been watching that break, and it's been a freight train that's been coming for many, many years. Everybody sees it now coming to the axle end and heavy truck applications, uh, the disc brakes. And that's something I think we're anticipating that's going to hit pretty quickly now where everybody's going to be moving to disc brakes. It's just the benefits are mm-hmm. just so substantial for braking distance and, and so forth. Now, the one thing you brought up there is platooning. Mm-hmm. And before we sign off, can you give a little bit more discussion on platooning? I guess that's something that's sure. fascinating to me. Yeah. So, I mean, the basic idea, uh, I mean, I think that the you know, the industry's had some conversations about this for, for a number of years now, uh, but we're still mostly in the in the test phase uh, and trial phase. Uh, but the idea is you're, you're wirelessly connecting two or more trucks. You know, this is just using vehicle-to-vehicle communications, and you're essentially syncing up their, their braking systems. So you'll have automatic uh, emergency braking through collision mitigation on, on both trucks. And as soon as the lead truck hits the brakes, the follower truck immediately breaks as well. And what you get from that is aerodynamics. You can have a significantly shorter uh, following distance, right? So it's essentially kind of the high-minded version of drafting where you, you gain a lot of uh, fuel economy uh, benefit there if you're in the right uh, conditions, you know, long stretches of open highway, not stuck in traffic, you're at highway speeds. And that is an intriguing opportunity to save fuel economy, but you need to manage that. You need to have the connections. And uh, eventually, you know, there's, there's a thought that you can add, you know, not only an automated steering component to the follower truck, 
ore trucks, uh, but maybe you can even eventually, you know, one way to get to an unmanned operation would be a, a sort of a road train where you have one lead truck that's piloted by, you know, a driver and you have one, maybe two trucks, essentially drone trucks that are that are following uh, wirelessly in a, in a platoon. And uh, of course, what's very key to that is you better rely, you better be able to rely on your brakes if you're going to, to have a platoon, uh, whether it's, whether there's a driver in the vehicle or not. Now, uh, to be clear, I, I think that the short-term opportunity uh, that we'll see first will be, you know, a driver in both vehicles uh, at all times, but uh, maybe that driver in that second vehicle over time can either go off duty and uh, at some point, someday in the future when, when you know, the technology is proven and we're comfortable with it from a regulatory standpoint, you know, maybe it's, it becomes a, a drone truck that, that follows the, the lead truck. Uh, so that, that's an idea that's out there. Uh, there are a couple companies that are uh, startup companies that are working on that. Uh, Peloton, uh, Locomation are, are you know, the two that I have in mind, and uh, the OEMs also have been investing in it. And so that's, that's another technology piece that uh, we've been watching closely. Okay. Doug, any final questions from you? I just want to say thank you, Seth, for joining. Very uh, interesting to discuss uh, the, the future of electric trucks. I agree that they are going to come, and they're going to be very specific at first, like you said, mm -hmm. very specific applications, and looking forward to obviously putting our wheels on those trucks as well. Thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, great. No, appreciate the opportunity. It's great to talk to you guys. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Behind the Wheels. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation, manufacturing, and technology. Inventing the first forged aluminum wheel in 1948, its team of experts continue to develop the most lightweight, efficient, and high-performing commercial vehicle aluminum wheel products. Bringing you revolutionary innovations like Alcoa Durabright wheels, Alcoa Durablack wheels, the new Alcoa Wheels Hubboard technology, and the lightest truck wheel on the market, Alcoa Ultra One 22.5 by 8.25 wheel. Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation.